And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 24 of PNR's This Old Marketing. Rating 24 with the new debut or re-debut of the television show 24. And I'm actually coming to you live from Chicago, Illinois on Monday, April 28th of 2014. In the spirit of Game of Thrones, if you end up liking our little weekly chest of audio dragon eggs, we'd sure love a review on iTunes, folks. And we hope you'll consider subscribing via iTunes, Stitcher, Horseback, Paper Airplane, whatever suits you. And as always, we welcome you to come on down, put your feet up at our own little L-shaped sectional couch on the web, thisoldmarketing.com, where you can also find the show notes and general awesome stuff we talk about here. And also, as always, also coming from Chicago, Illinois, together again, my good, good friend, the Jack Bauer of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Hello, Joe. How are you? Did you oh. see 24 is back? That might have been my favorite introduction. The Jack Bauer, <laughs> my, my wife will love that introduction. If I could only perform that way. Anyway. Oh, dear. There we go. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's good to be back. It's been a, it's been a long, busy week uh, of, not, of not recording this old marketing, but, uh, yes. but back here. And, of course, we're in the beautiful city of Chicago. Yeah, and uh, looking the rainy forward to city actually, of Chicago. Well, and then after this, maybe we'll actually get something to eat because I don't think either of us have eaten for twelve hours. But there you go. Yeah, which make which might make it interesting because I've got a I've got a beer in front of me and I've been waiting for you, so you know it might make the show that much more interesting. <laughs> well, we better get yeah, we better get through it as fast as possible. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, first up in the news, uh, you know, I think we have to start with this. It's just it's all over everything. Um, and I'm going to be the first one to say, told you so. Um, Google Plus is on Death Watch, they say, or zombie or your favorite undead sort of character. I don't know what you want, but a um, couple of articles here, one from The Guardian, another one from TechCrunch. We'll put both links in the show notes. There's, and this is all over the place, of course. Um, one of them announcing that Google's Vic uh, Gundrata is leaving the company. And, of course, he's the guy who Google Plus has been his big project and primary project for the last several years. And basically the rumors are that uh, Google Plus is going to stop being a social media network. What do you think, Joe? Well, I, I props to you because... I, what was it? I don't know. A couple episodes ago, where I was saying because of all the stuff that's going on with Facebook, maybe they've left the door open for Google, and Google went right through that door and tripped and fell because they, <laughs> obviously they don't they don't want. To, actually, I want to talk a lot about this because it's interesting. But you know, it, it's funny. I was just reading on the plane over a really good book by Jenny Dietrich called Spin Sucks, based on her her blog that she's oh, been writing forever. I've heard about she this, put yeah. a really good book together. And one part, it's just funny that you sent me this article and then I started reading this and she said, basically the whole thing that we've been talking about is don't build your ship on rented land. And she made the, she said, basically, Facebook's not going to be around forever. Twitter's not going to be around forever. Don't put all your content in that basket. And here we go again. There's been so many companies that you and I have worked with that said, no, we've got to do something significant on Google+. And it looks like, I mean, we don't know, right? But it looks like they're taking out all the major talent and they're moving it to Android teams and uh, the other mobile platforms, correct? Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's from, that's, from everything I've read, that's exactly what they're doing. And, and which is all indications are that they're, you know, that 
Google Plus at some point will, you know, will become like many of their other things, Google Wave and some of the other things that have just sort of stopped being. Um, and, I, you know, and I think this is this says less about Google Plus as a platform, you know, via API and single login and some of the things that they're doing for tying all of their accounts together where you have a Google account. I think that continues uh, regardless, but I think really what they're talking about here is the end of Google Plus as a you know as a competitor to Facebook or Twitter, really. Yeah, it's interesting that they're going. It's almost the 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 article that you sent me, and of course we'll put it in the show notes. What I thought was interesting is that a lot of this is because of what Facebook did in the purchase of WhatsApp. So if you read into that a little bit, it's basically they're saying they have they have talent people. And I guess they're looking at the opportunity cost of other things. They've got a position on Google Plus, and they're saying, look, there's better opportunities elsewhere. Maybe we shouldn't have these people. Maybe we shouldn't be spending this time focused on this platform. And I mean, did you take that away as well? I did. I think, you know, I mean, I think it's a smart move, to be honest. I think it's, you know, I, I've, I've, I've never been bullish on Google Plus um, from its launch. I wasn't, you know, and I've kept a minimal presence there, my own personal uh, uh, personal pre- presence on Google Plus has been as minimal as possible just because I didn't want to put a ton of time into it. You know, I put enough that I knew what I was talking about, but certainly not to the extent that some folks have done. And, and I just think this is Google sort of not chasing bad money after good you know it's 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 they're looking at the market now and 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 i think what you're starting to see i mean we talked about this last week right with the you know with rebecca lieb talking about the you know social media uh really waning and we're starting to hear this more and more from you know from you know not only from agencies but also from you know from clients who are looking at social media sort of those you know the big four forever right you know linkedin twitter google plus and facebook and saying yeah well facebook i mean ad nauseum we've talked about that twitter there's you know is still out there seemingly going strong linkedin is you know and we'll talk about linkedin here in a minute with one of their stories but and then you know google plus so as those things start to fade into the background of yeah we you know really sort of maturing into whatever they're going to be or not be i think the idea that you can really think about social media as a strategy is just it's you know it's well you and i have talked about this it's just flawed well, it's a good thing we didn't launch a Google Plus conference. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> well, exactly right, right? I mean, somebody, uh, well, actually, somebody came up to me, and I, I, was, I did a conference at uh, Case Western Reserve before I got on the plane today in Cleveland, Ohio, and we were talking about it because I mentioned it in the part of my presentation where I say, don't build your ship on rented land, and I'm, and I'm talking about that and going through it. And, I, and they were, then we were, the book, my book came up, and I said, well, thank God I didn't write my book on Google Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just interesting. So I guess what the takeaway for brands is more of the same where we can't look, you can use these channels, which these social media channels really have become media platforms. That's you know, right. We, we can exactly see that. Right. We've been talking about it forever. And now it's actually happened. Facebook has done it. Now, I, I don't know what will become of Google Plus, but of course, Twitter's going that direction. LinkedIn, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, is definitely going in that direction. Yep. So it's just funny how social media, as we knew it two years ago, is is gone. It just seems right. like it's gone. It seems like it's really it's really become distribution channels for for content. So 
And and boy, if you would have put your your eggs in the content marketing basket years ago and not in just focusing on these social channels, you'd be way ahead of the curve. But hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> not to pat ourselves on start the back. Now. Right? No, yeah. Start now. No, well, start now. I mean, I don't right. think it's too late or anything. But I mean, so just to finish up this conversation, we don't know if it's going to go away. But all that we know for sure is they've removed some really talented people from key positions within Google Plus. It's and going. It seems away. like the right. It's going away. I'll I'll make the call right. You're now. gonna it's make going. the call. Okay. Yeah, I'm well, nobody. The call. None of the major media into our episode number twenty four. I'm flatlining this patient. Right. It is gone. It no, is, it is out. Nobody at the Times or, or Mashable has made the call yet, but you've heard it here first. <laughs> uh, this exactly old marketing. Right. There you go. <laughs> Moving on now. Speaking of the web and how we look at the web as a content platform. Apparently, we now use the web more than we use TV. Well, okay, duh. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I guess we needed a study to tell us this, but this comes from an article from uh, MediaLifeMagazine.com, which we'll put in the show notes, but it's actually a study from eMarketer, eMarketer. that actually yep. found that U.S. adults are spending now 43% of their major media time with digital devices. That's up 38% from just... Uh, 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 two years ago. And so this is outpacing television, which has been declining over the last couple of years. And mobile is cannibalizing this even more. So, um, they're just saying that mobile is, is killing it now. So, I mean, was this a big shock to you that, uh, we spend more time now in front of the web, I guess, than we do TV, which also made me, by the way, confused a little bit. Like if I watch Netflix, am I am I in front of the web or am I in front of the TV? I see, see, this is – yeah. you, you can get – I don't know. You can game this any way you want to. You can tell whatever story you want to because honestly, right. the way that they break it down is mo- the, the mobile uh, channel that they say does include some televisions that have smart internet access. Right. But, but if I have – like my TV, I've got a cable running into it that I can get internet through it. That doesn't count. Right. So, <laughs> right. so I guess it, it, it really depends on what your definition of television is. Is television an appliance or is television watching video? That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, and, I've, and I've asked this question in, 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 in many of our workshops, which is I, that exact question. Is television an appliance or is it a service? Right? Do we watch television as, you know, because if I, if, to, to your point, if you were to cut, you know, all cable television services – and only watch Netflix and HBO to go and, you know, and get and watch ESPN and, and videos on YouTube. Are you watching the Internet or are you watching television? And that's that's the real question I have here. Yeah, I think I mean, what do we know? We know for sure that if you're a brand today, that your focus should be from a display standpoint and from a content um distribution standpoint should be mobile first i think we we totally should understand that yeah but but i think it i think what i'm and even there right it's untethered it's it's the untethered it's, not yes. not mobile phone right because this includes ipads and all kinds of tablets and phablets and you know it, it mobile is a mobile is untethered it's not necessarily the small device called an iphone yeah, I think the more interesting thing in here. Well, there's there's two things I took away from it. One is, uh, let's see, uh, print accounts for three point five percent, twenty six minutes per day right. of media time, and I think people will look at that and they'll say, 
Oh my gosh, it's di- and and it lo- if you look at the stats from seven point seven percent two thousand ten to three point five percent today, you'd say, "Wow, that is killing itself." But I, that's where everybody. There's so many media channels that have left print. I still think there's a, right now. For five years, there might not be an opportunity. Right well, now, there might be an opportunity in that because but, there's just less. It's almost like podcasts. We talked about that before. Why one of, one of the reasons why our podcast took off, not because we were so brilliant or we have great distribution channels, which hopefully we do. But the fact is, there's just less content out there. That's right. There's less competition for that content. And the same thing right now happens in the print area, right? And 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 by the way, I think you make an excellent point, which is if, if it's only 3% or less than 5% and it's competing with all of this other media, multimedia, Think about how how much those users, those consumers, are savoring that three percent, right? Think about how good that print is that they're actually spending three percent of their time. You know, it, it's not dead, right? It's it, there. People are actually, and I think about the way I use print, right? Where where I there are a couple of magazines that I love because of the artwork and because of the texture of the paper, and you know, they're architecture magazines and photography magazines, and they're just. They're so good, right? And 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 you and you actually enjoy, you know, yep. sitting at the table, having a meal or whatever it is, and thumbing through those magazines. It's just, it's really a, a a really nice thing. And I think there's a real experience to be had in print. That that is, to your point, there's not a lot of people out there competing for that space. So it, it's a real opportunity. I think the other thing that I thought of, and I don't even know if this makes sense, but even with what Red Bull's done, you know, with adding their channel on Apple TV. Is there an opportunity because your content can be engaged from anywhere at any time on any device? And I don't think most, I mean, if you're a big consumer brand, I think you think about television. But most most brands don't think about ever being watched or seen or any content engaged on a large video display device. Is it When is the time when we can start thinking about that for, you know, just the regular mid-market B2B business? Actually having content that should be able – that we should start thinking about it being displayed on a larger video device. It's a great question, and I don't know the answer for it from a B2B perspective because, I mean, we've had this conversation. Thomas Asacker and I had this this exact discussion when he and I chatted. He's the author of the book uh, The Business of Belief. Great book, by the way. Um, and he and I talked about this, which is – one of his major points in his book is he says, you know – the way that you stay ahead in content is you you go do the next biggest, hardest thing that your competitors are not doing. And he used the example of B2B and he actually says, if everybody's writing white papers and doing blogs in B2B, why don't you go out and do the hour and a half documentary on, you know, on a particular topic? And at that point you go, yeah. I mean, you know, so look, Cisco's done this, right? They've created documentaries, they've created large screen format stuff, but nobody's Act, I don't think anybody's actively out there in the B2B market sort of targeting television as a method of, you know, or the appliance of television now, you know, that large screen format or even movies, if you think about it, as a way of, of, of expressing their content. And I don't know, I, I, I suspect it's coming for sure. You know, I mean, I'd like to think the time to think of it is now, but I, I don't know. I don't know of anybody who's doing it personally. I think, it, well, I, I, it's interesting because you and I talk to a lot of marketers and marketers tend to work on a laptop all day long. 
desktop right. or laptop all day long, and then when they're pers- on their personal lives, they use a smartphone of some right. kind, iPhone, That's whatever right. the case is. So we, we tend to think that we are our own audience. So that no matter who they're targeting, they tend to think that their content is going to be engaged with on a laptop because yes. that's the way that they engage with their content. That's right. So I guess, I guess the, the, the lesson out of this would be let's really give some thought into over the next 18 to 24 months what kind of instrument our content could be engaged in and maybe there's an opportunity there. It's a really, I mean, I think that's a, net, a fascinating point. It, literally, as you said that, I happen to look over and I see this in every hotel room. I'm in a hotel room right now and, and I'm looking over across at the desk and right in front of the desk, there is a big black box that's got every multimedia input in the world from my laptop to the TV. So literally, I could be surfing the web or watching my laptop on TV, but I never do, Right. I know, and none of us do that. Nobody plugs their laptop into the the box unless you have kids and you're doing DVDs and you're and you're playing it, you know, on the TV for them. Yeah. But we don't do it as when we're on business trips. We start, we we open up our laptops and we sit on the bed and we do our work, and that's the way content is consumed from us for us as you know being on the road here. I think that is likely to change. I. I think there's an opportunity there. Yeah. Absolutely. Because right now I'm thinking there's no, you're a B2B company. But then I remember it was, it wasn't too long after I heard of, this is back in 08, 07, 08. After I heard of the, will it blend blend tech example, uh, right after they blended up the iPhone and I was in a hotel in Helsinki, Finland, and there was a channel that was showing all kinds of weird stuff from the internet, and there was Blendtec. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's it just right. interesting it's to exactly see how right. that 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 worked. That way. yeah. So I mean, other than anything else with this data that no, you nothing. thought was interesting. No, other no. than other than I mean, you finish off with print, and I was actually going to finish off with radio, which I thought uh, was you know it, it's at an all time low, right? So we know that radio is 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 you know talk about a medium that's really suffering and dying i think that's the that's the one can i can i tell you something about radio that just right. perturbs me okay so i listen to i, I listen to a, am and or if i'm if i'm in the car we're listening to fm because the kids want to hear the pop tunes if i'm if i'm listening to um if, if it's me just in the car i'm listening to probably sports radio talk radio something right. like that well in cleveland most of the AM stations are owned by the same broadcaster, and most of the FM stations are owned by the same broadcaster. You know they time commercials. They what? I, they time commercials. If you're if you're if I'm listening to 104.1 FM in Cleveland, I'm listening to 96.5 FM. They're owned by the same. They've got to be. I'm pretty sure they are. That when if you switch to a, so a commercial comes on, I'm not going to listen to a commercial. It's just music. I don't need to stay on that station. That's why AM oh, is there. Oh, I they, think they AM synchronize has, it. They synchronize. They yeah. They synchronize their commercials. So if you hit the next one, you're going to hit a commercial. It just perturbs me to, <laughs> to and I and I know why they do it. They're smart. Right. They really yeah. do it that way. But the the other thing that and I heard Mike Trevisano. He's he's a he's a pretty well known uh, radio talk show host in Cleveland. 
he was taught he was ranting about FM and he's like why would anybody ever list, ever want to own an FM station you'd never want to because you can get the music on any other station and nobody's going to sit through the commercials that's right to that's keep exactly it. right and i'm just like it's almost i think about that a lot when i think about the content we create because if you create content that's just like everyone else they're going to change the station and they're not going to sit and sit through your sales pitch whenever you give it there. If, if it's really, really good information, they will actually sit through your sales pitch yeah. to get to more good content. And I don't know how I got on that rant, but <laughs> I, I put, I put you onto it is what, <laughs> is what happens. All right. We'll move on to the next yeah. story here, which um, is speaking of content platforms. So we were just talking about this LinkedIn making a bigger play toward brand content. So this article comes from Digiday. Um, and it's uh, reporting on an announcement of LinkedIn that they're expanding into brand content, which we knew. We talked about it a couple episodes ago that they were beta they were beta testing this thing where brands can put in content. But what they've they've announced here, what the difference is, is that they're starting to partner with some big name publishers to do this. So, um, according to Digiday, this is according to the article, the Atlantic, Bloomberg, CBSI, which is CBS's network digital piece, IDG. Uh, and uh, and some others were at this attendees of this you know sort of inaugural partner summit um, where they're going to be announcing this thing and basically it's you know we talked about this last week and you know when we really went on and on about the Facebook thing about how we wondered whether Facebook was actually going to start offering up exclusive content or content at all you know through the stream and I think you're starting to see it from LinkedIn I mean so do we do we learn our lesson from Facebook here and or do we do we do we continue down the LinkedIn brand page road? Well, I think that there's no problem with doing it as long as you do, you don't build your entire ship on on LinkedIn. Right. I mean, I, there's no problem. I don't have any problem with with uh, native advertising on Facebook. Actually, from the numbers that I've seen, it sometimes can work out pretty darn well. Yeah. Uh, and same thing for LinkedIn. I just wouldn't put all my eggs into that basket. But here's the thing, and here's what I want to get your take on, because I read this, and the first thing that I saw, so this is a little bit inside baseball, but listeners would well get this, because you're all content marketing fanatics if you're listening to this show. Um, <laughs> I, I, I listened. I, nerds. I read it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of you are nerds. Um, oh, God, just flashback to Revenge of the Nerds movie. Yeah. Uh, I read this. And I immediately thought that LinkedIn's next play is to buy Outbrain and Relate or Taboola or one of the other content distribution sponsored. Oh my God, that's like genius! That. That's so Be that's so genius. Because I'm trying to You're think absolutely of how absolutely right. Well, You're how are they right. how are they making revenue? Right, they're making because they want they're 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 partnering now. It, the article says they're partnering now with agencies to help brands build these content <clears throat> platforms on them. They're trying to monetize that. You can buy sponsored updates and blah, 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 right? All that's good. But where do they not own, where do they not have any kind of ownership of the opportunity? Well, if you're on other people's sites, you want to get them to LinkedIn. So they could buy, tra they can start buying traffic from other sites, but they're, they're really relying right now on the share what if they said, look, well, we can rely on the share, but we can start to really control the distribution a little bit more, and they can crank up the volume whenever they want if they owned a Taboola or an, or an Outbrain. Well, plus it matches right with what they're trying to do with marketing to businesses, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it, dude, big 
thumbs up. I mean, that, that's I mean, goodness gracious. That, I'm sure the fo- I'm sure the folks fantastic. at Outbraid, Taboola, and Enrolay love love this. <laughs> right? Or maybe they're not ready yet. But yeah, yeah, it makes it makes way too much sense. If I saw this that's come out one. tomorrow, if they were already in discussions, I would not be surprised at all. Actually, if they were not in discussions, they would floor me that somebody at LinkedIn hasn't thought about this. It would well. <laughs> I learned a long time ago, buddy, not to make those kinds of assumptions. But you know, um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good idea. It's a, it, I would not, I would not, uh, uh, I would not uh, degrade your the the level of your idea here because it's a it's a good one. It's a really really good one. Yeah, hmm. and it's a smart one too. It would be because this fits into everything of what they're trying to do, and it would make it would it would actually fix. The thing that face that is broken now in Facebook, because you could actually you could actually tie in relevance to what is getting uh, expanded out in the in the ad network, right? Mm-hmm. So you know it's to to the point that I actually wrote about in the blog post when Jay and I wrote that blog post on on the 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 the, the mistake that I think that Facebook made at the very beginning was they didn't put any value to the like. There was no there is no ramifications if I like one thing or a million things. I'm still going to get filtered content, right? In other words, if I like a million things, my you know it it, it would be like oh I, I, my Facebook feed is now ruined because I see so much stuff. Well, mm-hmm. that's not true, right? Because they basically they they correct for my stupidity. So this could be the way that they actually avoid that kind of thing is, is that they could add relevance to in, in other words the more relevant you create content and the 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 ability for you to go in and, and create stuff that people really like the more it gets spread out through an ad network like mm-hmm. a like a tabula or like a which is already built into their algorithms right if they they would just need to take advantage of well it. what's interesting well here's where and, and i think i was wrong this is a couple of weeks back when i i don't i can't remember you can tell me but when i was talking about facebook uh starting to maybe buy you know would they ever buy nbc would they ever start buying affiliates and those types of things but i think i was wrong on that this makes more sense because LinkedIn would never have to buy a media company now. They, they already would have access to thousands of media companies all over the planet because that widget is already in, the, in every article that's out there. That's it's what almost I mean. in planning. That's exactly yeah, exactly. Right. It's that's already what I mean, there. Is that, is that you've now given incentive to the brand pages to create content on the LinkedIn platform. The, in other words, if I'm a brand, the more I create great, relevant content, the more not only does it get presented in in through LinkedIn, in other words, the more I encourage LinkedIn usage, yep. it gets it gets promoted within LinkedIn. But the more it gets spread out uh, into the ad networks that they that they would have, so that yes. I have a big incentive to make it really work for me. And and so. if you're a but if you're a LinkedIn sponsored updates salesperson as well, oh, you geez. you can actually you yeah can you can actually that. go in and say. Here's our network. Here's our here's the primary network, which would be the LinkedIn network, and here's the secondary network, which would be oh, everything dude, already, else on the planet. Have, they already don't don't believe, they already have that, right? So here's the LinkedIn network that gives you sort of third level, C level bloggers and blah blah blah, and then here's the paid network that gives you B, and then if you really want the A properties, you're going to have to pay B. Uh, so it's, uh, I think it's a genius. It's a genius idea. Yeah. 
We'll see. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, when we put up the show notes together, I'll send it to our <laughs> friends at, Li- at LinkedIn and say, Hey, FYI, yeah, Robert this, and I want we want a, just a small cut of the transaction just, just if it ever happens. Buy us a pizza. That's all we want. A pizza and a bottle of wine, and we'll be happy. We probably would be happy with that. Actually, yeah. that would be fun. Well, speaking of Facebook, um, they the, the 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 fun the circus never stops. I guess um, they're launching a wire service because that's a good idea. Um, so they, this comes from Mashable, actually, article. Facebook last week launched a newswire service. They not only want to be your digital newspaper, uh, they're starting a wire service that is actually – it comes out of an acquisition they actually made, um, which was a company called Storyful, uh, which was this agency. And what they're, what they're looking to do is basically aggregate all this news content from everywhere and then, of course – propagate up that which is getting a lot of relevance and play um and as they say the agency you know the storyful the idea here the newswire service will use an algorithm facebook's filled with algorithms to find popular and breaking news stories on facebook and so if you have a breaking story on facebook in sports or entertainment or tech or politics or something then they'll get a follow-up on these stories uh using some sort of as they say human verification um, and then they'll surface that content through the Newswire service. So I guess it's a way that you could curate what's popular on Facebook. I guess I, I don't. I'm not sure I get it, but but you tell me. Where am I wrong? I think it. This is the their foray into accomplishing what George Orwell wanted to see happen or thought would happen in the book 1984. That's exactly what right. I think is going to happen. Um, yeah, it's it, in my in my opinion, in my non-expert opinion, I think they're setting the seeds for being able to. T- I mean, what? So they're they're targeting journalists with this. They right. want to tell journalists what's news. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'll target, and they said they'll target a lot of other people, but really, who they're going to target with this in the Facebook network is the Newswire promotions, what they think is relevant, real news to journalists. So that journalists will start to cover certain things. Does that sound a little bit like we're trying to sway what journalists cover? I, I mean, I just, I just think it sounds like you know tilting at windmills here. I, I don't see. You don't think I mean, there's any? You don't think there's anything yeah, here? Do journalists really lack for sources of stories these days? I mean, th- is that really a problem that needs to be solved? I, 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 I just don't see that. I don't see Facebook being, you know, if I'm a journalist for Wired or Wall Street Journal or, you know, or New York Times or, you know, or the Podunk Daily, I, I don't think I'm going to Facebook to go, ooh, here's, here, this will be my source of, I mean, because think about it, what it's going to be is, well, I, I shouldn't assume this, but, but I, I, my, my media assumption is that it's going to be, you know, this girl cried on the stage. You'll never guess what happened next. You know, it's, it's going to be all those buzzworthy upfeed, you know, things that they're, that they're, that they're, that they're promoting through. It's, it's, it, that's, what's going to resonate. I think I, I don't, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't think I get it. I don't know. I, I just think it's, I think they're taking baby steps here. I think this is, they can get away with this now because it's aggregated content. Because they're basically not using their own content. So everybody's like, oh, it's okay. It's not Facebook content. 
but it's getting closer to Facebook content, right? So if I, if I just take a couple more steps, Facebook's going to start hiring their own journalists. Facebook's going to start to produce True enough. This. Okay. And, yeah, I and, see so, that. and so where am I going for my news right now? If I'm going for right. my news, they want, they want to be the coverers of news. So if I'm going probably, I'm going to see it on Twitter maybe, and I'm going to go to, to television or I'm going to go to a newspaper site or a traditional media site. Well, Facebook wants you, you know, Facebook to be the destination for that. Yeah. And I just think that this is this is step one in a in a number of steps that'll happen and in eighteen to twenty four months they will have a news service that actually will be covering news. And so we'll still go to Facebook for all our other stuff and then there you are, Facebook content. Here's what's going on at the White House, here's what's going on in in the in the uh in the Olympics, whatever the case is, from Facebook. You need to get on late flights to Chicago more often because you're like, you're like chock-a-block full of like sage observations this evening. I, I I think I think that's a really I think that's a really interesting thing. I don't I still don't like it anymore, but I but I think that's exactly what it's what it, what, what you're going to see. Because it's not a big move for Facebook. This is like is it like I think your reaction is what they wanted. It's a yawner. But then Zuckerberg's like, <laughs> you know, this is, uh, no, look at, we sent out that thing. Nobody really covered it. Mashable, the, 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 the shares weren't that high. This is good. Now we're going to do it. And then we'll go to stage two of the master plan. I like your Zuckerberg impression. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> a little oh, deeper voice probably. Yeah. No, I think it's more yeah. like this. Huh? <laughs> Hi, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he is like 30 years old now. He's not still 18. You know? <laughs> he's always going to be 18 to me. <laughs> anyway. he's, always, he's always Jesse Eisenberg to you. <laughs> right? it, well, then, well, no, well, all right. I don't do a Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> At least I'm not doing one here, uh, lest, I, lest I be accused oh, of having too much wine. God. All right. So we're moving along. The next story is uh, so okay. We made it till thirty minutes into the show before we said native advertising, but here ding, we go. Ding, native ding, advertising. Sixty-two percent um, apparently of people don't remember anything about seeing a native ad. Which this article again comes from Digiday, new a survey, and I actually had to read this like three times because what, every yeah, time I read it, I had to read. I'm like, I thought it, I thought they were saying it's from HubShout, Hub Shout, not HubSpot, HubShout, which. Okay, guys, I don't know who Upshout is, but okay, nicely played. Um, so, <laughs> a, a oh, no, I would be like, if I'm HubSpot, I'm like, guys, yeah, a little, little on, too close to the... Come on, <laughs> right? HubShout. No, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Anyway, so a new survey by HubShout, an online marketing firm based in Falls Church, Virginia. Um, they're basically saying that the study that they did found that two-thirds, 60-some percent, have read a native ad, but almost an equal number don't remember what it was about or who the advertiser was. Um, you know, so, I mean, this reeked of content marketing to me and, and sort of that, you know, study like, you know, four out of five dentists who chew gum actually yep, exactly. choose, right? So it's, the, yep. I mean, but... I'm not sure that I disagree with the with with the, with the conclusion. I mean, that's my, that's what my gut says right now is is that I think we're still feeling our way with native ads, and I think most native ads. This goes back to our discussion that we've had a lot on this show, which is about 
native ads and the whole seamless experience. And, and if you're truly going to be about native advertising, it can't be about a seamless experience. You need well, you need your content to stand out. You need your content to not look and feel like the rest of the magazine. The fact that it appears in the context of the magazine only serves to bolster the individual uniqueness of, of what it is you're putting out there. I think that they I, – I completely get what you're saying. I would – Say that if I'm Hubshout, <laughs> I, I would have played these numbers. Somebody up. from Hubshout should you, should should let us know. Like you could, you yeah. should advertise with us. Is what you should you, do, Hubshout. <laughs> you could have cranked this one up to eleven, and I'll tell you why. Because this is definitely a form of of content marketing from Hubshout. But what I would say is they're getting their money's worth just by us <laughs> talking about their name. Um, look at these. So. The, the question was, do you remember the last sponsored article you read? Right. Uh, and uh, 25% say, yes, but I don't. Yes, I don't remember what it was about. 5%, I only remember who it was sponsored by. 7%, I remember what it was and what it was sponsored by. 62% don't remember anything. Right. Now, look at these numbers. As 12.5% that rem- either re- remembered who it was sponsored by or remembered who it was sponsored by and the content. What's that? I compare that to a banner ad. Yeah, that's amazing. It's like kajillion percent more than a banner ad. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna take. I would take these numbers, and I would actually say, good point. I would yeah. say it's more like I would have done. It's more likely for your banner ad to be clicked, uh, clicked, or it's more likely to get struck by lightning than your right. banner ad to be found, or whatever the case right. is that they use all the time. Or you could use native advertising, and here it is. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. That's it, what I took from it. I don't know if you took anything else. No, I think that's well. That's that's that. I mean, that's a really good point. I, you know, it's always the inverse of the numbers. You know, that's that that's always really that are that are really interesting there. Um, and, and you know, I mean, obviously they've got a, a vested interest in in in, in that number. Um, but to me, it really speaks to the idea that we're still thinking of, you know, of native advertising as ads, right? We're thinking of them as advertising. And if we are really truly going to, to evolve and, and have this not be an ad, e.g. driven by a media buy and, you know, and, 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 you know, where we, we create scalable versions of it that are going to appear all over the web, where we're actually going to take the time and effort to, contextualize a post or an article or a tweet or whatever it is we're putting in this in the context of the publisher website then it just can't be an ad it can't we can't look at it through that lens we need to look at it through the content lens and we need to have the the appropriate calls to action to actually draw that user back into whatever it is we're trying to draw them into so it, it goes back to my whole thing of you know native advertising is neither and and i i this to me is is when I see that they haven't, it says more to me about how people are using native ads than it does the the, the effectiveness of content in a contextualized. Well, doesn't it make more sense? And we talk about content consistency all the time. So let's say that you're you have a blog that's your platform of choice for your own media, and you're creating amazing content on a regular basis. Don't you then look at what's been successful or what's worked or as part of your regular editorial program and say, here's the ones we want to give a little bit more juice to. And don't you do it that way? Or do you, I don't think you, 
I think right now, to your point, everybody's looking at it as a campaign. Oh, right, we're going to exactly take some of right. yeah, yeah, they're going to take advertising. And they reinvent the wheel, the creative wheel, every single time, right? That's right. Yeah. Does, so it of, makes more yeah. sense to roll this out within your current editorial program. Then, but the problem is, isn't the problem right now that a lot of these funds are coming from advertising and they have an advertising mentality to it and they're not coming out of content budgets? The latter, not the former, right? I don't mind that they're coming out of the advertising budgets, but I do mind that they're actually being treated like ads, right? So just because the money comes from advertising budget doesn't mean we need to treat it like an ad. But you're right. That's what they are doing because that's what we do with advertising. We That's do it. Exactly. We are very campaign centric about that. So. That's exactly right. And it's, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's this, you know, it's this, you know, not to get off on a rant, but it's this, it's this mentality of, well, there's the real marketing and advertising that's happening over here. And that's with our, I had this conversation today with a very large consumer brand, a, a, a CPG brand, and they were, you know, or, and a, basically a holding company for different CPG brands. And they were saying, Yes, the, the the real marketing and advertising happens with our agencies. You know, the public the the publicies and the and the WPPs and the Omnicoms and the TWA Shiat Days and all of them. And yeah, the other stuff that just kind of happens over in the corner, right? You know, and it's like, yeah, that's just that's not that's that's just crazy. That's just crazy that that's the you know that 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 you look at content in that in that way. It's, it really does seem like this is a, this is a, I don't want to, I, I mean, there's a future for native advertising. I don't think there's any, I mean, it's been around forever. So I'm saying it's a future is kind of weird to say that, but yeah. we are definitely in transition mode right now Absolutely. Uh, because of the way, because I mean, just look at the way that native advertising is done right now on the desktop is completely different where you see three or four in a stream, sometimes side by side. If you, if you go to uh, native ads, like we were talking about from the content distribution companies, you might see four or five at the bottom of an article. You're not going to see that on a mobile device. Yeah, and people aren't right. going to put aren't, people aren't going to put up for it, put up with that at all on a television. I'll tell you that right now. No, that's so, exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we get into lean forward, to lean back experiences, and all that kind of stuff as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think you're exactly right. It's it's we are we are you know some might say we're at the beginning of a new era. Hmm. Where that might be going. Mm. <laughs> to be continued. To be continued. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's your little Easter egg. Try to find that, guys. Okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> speaking of native advertising, we have a sponsor to talk about. A lovely, wonderful, awesome, amazing, tremendous sponsor to talk about. Yes, awesome to talk about our sponsor this week. Again, Oracle Marketing Cloud. Um, We're promoting their Marketing Automation Simplified ebook and report, what we're calling the Small Guide to Big Ideas. And we're not just saying that because they paid us to say it. Uh, more <laughs> marketers are implementing marketing automation to maximize the value of their data, improve engagements, and effectively measure effectiveness. While automation technology also helps companies become more data-driven to improve accountability, it can be challenging to understand how to make the most of its functionality, and you and I both know that is completely true. The Marketing Automation Simplified Guide offers an introduction to the five tenets of modern marketing and breaks, breaks down the tips marketers need to automate and optimize data and targeting, email marketing, lead nurturing and scoring, our favorite content marketing, and sales marketing alignment, which is a huge, huge issue. Please download this at your convenience or as soon as you get done listening to this. 
bit.ly.com slash pnr-ma, that's all lowercase, bit.ly.com slash pnr-ma. It'll also be in the show notes. And thanks again to uh, Oracle for making sure that you and I can do this every week. Absolutely. It's been uh, fun. It's, so. it's just a fabulous sponsor. And yeah, yeah, go download it. Go download it and go tell your friends to download it. Go tell your kids <laughs> to download it. It's, you know, your kids yeah. will love this. So. There's a couple click fraud agencies out there. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> go download a few of these things. Go download it multiple times from different machines. You just can't have, you can't, can't have, have just, copies. you can't have just one. Yeah, you, you, have get, to you have. cannot have too many copies of this of this particular <laughs> report. It's just that good. Um, all right, that brings us to the segment of the show that both Joe and I love so much. It's our rants and raves section, where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave, depending on what has got us all hot and bothered. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I'll go Mine's first. Mine, mine's thing. super. Yeah, mine's super quick, and it's actually I've been doing r- rants for for so long. I'm gonna do, and I've done rants today, so I'm gonna do a rave. And this is a new blog that just started. It's called Sorry for Marketing. Uh, by good friends of the show. I don't know if you uh, you know Jay Akunzo. They used to work at HubSpot. I I believe you I do, know at the least name. by I, name. I, I do, I do know the name, name, and I, I, I'm sure we've met it. So point. so Jay was the the content director over at HubSpot, and he left, and he's doing some really cool things in a startup content arena, and he's got a great organization called Boston Content that's really growing, and he's sort of the leader behind this uh, content movement in the Boston area, and uh, he created a blog, and he just wrote his first post and we'll put it in the show notes but you know it's interesting he's got uh, he sort of lays out uh his um what his manifesto is going to be here for for what he's going to do for his blog and it's all about how he lays it on the line and says i produce so many list based blog posts uh basically says he could open a tips and tricks r us mega store and <laughs> And then, you know, and this is a good one, and you'll get this. I've written or edited mountains of ebooks and guides that sound really great, but lack any sort of care for the paragraphs inside them. There just isn't enough time, and we have numbers to hit. Someone external or internal seems to say every time. And and it's really some heavy stuff, and his goal is to show his whole thing is how we need to convert after the click. How and and every a lot of conversion is measured oh, on clicks. Well, you know he's, I love that. Oh. oh yeah, he he's talking about and he's really he's he's getting really he basically calls himself an idealist here and this is what he wants to do and so I wanted to you know I, Michelle Lynn our content director at Content Marketing Institute sent this over to me I wanted to show him a little love I hope this works out for him and of course we'll be supportive in any way we can so congratulations to Jay the blog is called Sorry for Marketing. You can go to sorryformarketing.com and check out his first blog post. Make Great sure you name. sign up uh, via name. email. Great and uh, I'll be signing up myself and, and getting Jay's wisdom. And, and Jay, by the way, is doing an, a fantastic presentation at Content Marketing World this year on why uh, measure, ROI measurement has to go beyond the ebook. Which yes. for B two B B two B folks will love that because everybody's gotten infatuated with the ebook, and Jay's going to talk us down from that ledge. Beautiful. That's so there you just go. awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go sign up right now for that because that I love the I love the name. I haven't seen any blog posts from it, but I'm already in just on the name. There I'm you go. I'm a sucker for a good title. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a rant this week. Um, oh, thank God. Good. <clears throat> and it's quick. It's quick, but it's it's uh, it's just annoying as all get out. So my rant is on the you know I don't know if you saw, but the the this last week 
um, the New York Police Department um, had a bit of a tiff, right? So they, they started this social media campaign <clears throat> called My NYPD, and it was a hashtag, and the hashtag got basically hijacked. Um, and, you know, basically the, the idea was is that they were going to post pictures. You know, they say, basically said, post pictures of your favorite, you know, moments with the police. Oh, no. And with the hashtag, you know, my, my NYPD. And my hashtag, my, my rant is not on the, the campaign. I mean, I can, we can all agree that it was, a, you know, a, you know, a star-crossed campaign that was never going to go anywhere but a bad place. So, but it's not about that. My my rant is in going through the show notes, and <clears throat> as we were, you know, coming up with ideas for the show for this week, I you couldn't miss it. And it was the, and we've talked about this before on on another show, but I guess the thing that really just annoys the hell out of me, and and it's not just the NYPD, but this is a good example this week. But it's it's so many times when a brand goes out there and tries to do something. And fails at it, and there are some, yep. you know, and and certainly there are, you know, we've talked about it before, where there are misaligned strategies, and then there are stu- stupidity, and you know, I mean, and then there's just plain old dumb mistakes, you know. So you know, U.S. Air had a really, really dumb, colossal mistake, but a human mistake that happened. Yep. The the what gets me so annoyed that the where I want to go off on a rant is the glee by which some of these blog posts and I actually went out on Twitter and searched the hashtag because I wanted to learn more about it and the pe- the number of PR agencies and ad agencies and general sort of you know the, the people who describe themselves as gurus you know are out there newsjacking the hashtag for their own purposes right so they're they you know they're saying come and see why my social media isn't a fail hashtag NYPD Right. And <clears throat> that kind of glee that we take, that, that some marketers take in these things just annoys the hell out of me. And that's the first thing. And the second time thing is, is this idea that you're going to use that hashtag now in, back against the, the person or the company that actually started it for your own nefarious marketing purposes. Guess what? That's just as much of an epic fail as them actually doing it in the first place. Anyway, that's my rant. I, I just mm-hmm. can we stop taking so much Schadenfreude joy out of out of out of these things? It's you know, I, mm-hmm. I get the idea of reporting on it, but just taking, I, I just I don't see the joy in it. I, I, well, I guess you're, right. and the other thing is, and you and I know some of the people that basically they wait for this stuff to put on their Facebook page. Yeah, and they just you're right. They just love it and. I'm with you. I mean, I think that now is a really good time to take take some chances. Uh, and we, we talked about with the television thing. We talked about, you know, what it's. I mean, I, of of course, I think the other lesson is if there's ever a hashtag that's just about you, probably not right. good. Exactly. Probably not. I am not here to argue <laughs> that the NYPD did a smart thing here. I, you know, I, I think right. I mean, they, you know, that was sort of like saying. Hey, does anybody out there think I'm an idiot? You know, I mean, you know, and th- that sort of thing. So, of course, it. somebody could do that. To, of course, not saying that we did it with this old marketing with the hashtag. So, I'm sure somebody could. 
I probably shouldn't have said that. So yeah. we're, we're... <laughs> well, we'll see what we get. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll see. see hey, we at least we'll see some action on the hashtag. Yes, exactly. So there you well, go. Well, speaking of hashtags, we have a question from a viewer, actually. This oh, nice. Week. Um, yeah, this one actually, uh, unlike hashtags, came in through email. Um, it's from a guy, Lee Pettijohn, uh, and he wrote, Hi, guys. I live in a small town called Herman, Missouri. Uh, I've never seen nor heard of Herman, Missouri, so that was a first for me. I had to Google map it. Um, we've got a great outlet for visitors to come and relax, have a glass of wine, etc. Uh, my question revolves around small businesses looking to advertise, in quotes, or even publish an article about what's happening at their business. So he created a site called Experience Herman, um, and he says it's conducive to finding people, searching the internet, all that kind of stuff. He says, I love the idea of concept of content marketing, but is there room for small businesses that don't have the budget or time to create their own content marketing channel for their customers to utilize a site like the one I've created in this experience, Herman, to quote unquote native advertise or advertise or content marketing themselves in the form of articles and native pieces? Um, so I definitely have a take on this. I don't know what your take is. Well, the first thing that I thought is if you. First of all, I like the idea. I mean, experience. I mean, it sounds like it's a uh, convention and visitor bureau type site that you'd want to get people. The first thing they do, they get to hear Herman. They want to know what to do. Well, if it's all advertising and it's all about, oh, hey, this great store is great, or this is awesome, or here's what we've got, probably not going to get a lot of coverage. But if you focused on something truly helpful, something that people are, because I'm I'm assuming that the same questions evolve that they evolve for every city. What are the best places to eat? Where do I go to get X? Uh, my first time here, what do I do? Those types of things. Now, a better way, in my opinion, to do it than to, to just get advertising. By the way, there's all kinds of advertising opportunities. You can That's a traditional media outlet. You can use it that way. But wouldn't it make more sense to go out and get some underwriters to help you support this initiative, and then you can bake them into the content itself. So you get a couple of restaurants. You get, I mean, I think that you could. I would look at a consortium model as well. That you could get. You could get really funky with those types of sites, depending on how you want to support it. Could you just do native advertising? Well, it's not even native advertising. It basically sounds like, unless I'm reading this wrong, Robert, he's talking like they want to advertise them, themselves in articles that aren't necessarily helpful. Is that what you're reading? You're reading I, the way I read different? it was he was looking for whether or not he could bring in articles from that same restaurant and charge them for the article instead of charge for an ad. Um, and I think there, I think the opportunity is there to do that. Although I wouldn't do it if I were him. Well, that's, would, that's a good question. Why wouldn't? Well, first of all, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you do it? Because it doesn't scale. It, it doesn't. It, it basically as soon as you as soon as you don't produce uh, uh, the results. You've basically, you, I mean, in it, I mean, I'm, I'm going to make the broad assumption here that Herman is not a large metropolis, and that the the number of customers in that town are are finite in a small way, and so instead of saying to a restaurant, pay for the article, I would give that part away and say basically use the entire resources of the town to produce content, everything that's going on in the town, you know, from events to the restaurant reviews, et cetera, et cetera. But then, just to your point, have underwriters write actually, underwrite the section, you know, the, of restaurant reviews or of the map that shows where all the restaurants are, or 
the the you know the the online menus for each of the restaurant you know have an underwriter for all of those kinds of things which is shared content across the scope like an ad but it is helpful and useful and utility like Jay Barry might say no I love that idea and so yeah. basically you're saying I mean that's just like we sh- we can do with I mean that's that's just what we did with contentmarketinginstitute.com that's it's exactly the same thing right. it's the same go way. out to the experts in the industry don't charge them anything actually uh, Lee set a really good uh, guidelines really strict guidelines right. on what's useful and what's not and those that show them an example of it so that and have it be something helpful about the city whatever and then if you're really strict about those guidelines you'll you'll start getting really good articles at first you won't but yeah. you, people will start to say hey to break through this is really good i mean people want to be want to be found on your site because it's harder to get on your site so it'll take a while to get there but then yeah then then when you're getting more people involved you're getting more traffic then you'll be able to monetize the site in different ways absolutely and thank you good so stuff. much for that question lee that's just thank you thanks lee. really thanks awesome listening. really awesome all right and now time for the namesake of our show this old marketing um and i'm going to take this old marketing this week and and talk to you guys about a cost of a, basically a really interesting company um it, they have become a little bit of a poster child for a lot of uh, a lot of content marketing presentations especially on the b2b side because of their success but in going back and looking at how long they've been doing it it just struck me that Maybe we should see how long they've been doing it. And here they are. They've been doing it a long time. So you probably never, if you haven't seen a bunch of content marketing presentations, you've never heard of Indium Corporation. That's I-N-D-I-U-M, Indium Corporation. And they basically, their specialty are alloys and solders and solder pastes and all kinds of stuff that I don't even know what that does. But the marketing communications director there, his name is Rick Short, he basically created a blog strategy that hyper-targets all the people who do use his company's products. And they've created 17 different blogs, basically called Engineer to Engineer. And it's basically how an engineer would speak to another engineer about how you would use this alloy or this particular solder or this solder paste for your particular application. And we've talked about it, you know, on in presentations, and and Rick has spoken before. He's actually speaking this year, I think, at uh, at Content Marketing World. That's right. Um, and they've got seventeen engineers now that are blogging. I mean, if you if you ever think you're too niche with your blog, think about these guys for a second. They're actually doing seventeen different blogs on different alloys and solders. I mean, so you can't go too niche. One of the things that I noticed that they have now is that they have actually the site, and they didn't have this before when I checked, they've got the site now in German, they've got it in French and Chinese, and like six different languages now. They've had so much success with this. I went back and sit and, and looked at how long they've been doing this. They've been doing this since 2005. So they've been doing this almost 10 years, which is just amazing to me that they have been able to do this for that long and to actually create this kind of platform for it. And as, as Rick has himself said, they've seen a 600% jump in leads since the launch of the blog. And I'm sure he'll talk about the success of it at Content Marketing World this year. So just a great example, I think, of just you know really hanging in there for the long run. And, and, and you know 10 years later, it's still going strong. But it's funny. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to hear what Rick says. I would imagine that they didn't even know if it was going to work for three or four years. Yeah, I think I it was imagine. an experiment for a yeah. long, long time, and because the, the the best trait that they had was patience. Yeah, that's exactly so. right. 
That's exactly right. So where are you going to be? You're, we're both in Chicago here. We're, we're doing a client engagement tomorrow, and then we're off to Toronto for the LinkedIn dun-dun-dun master class. And then where are you going? And then uh, where am I going? Uh, I have, oh, I'm, I'm keynoting uh, the uh, Ectron customer event in Boston. Oh, Ectron. So, I know yeah, I know you know Ectron, so yeah. I'll be keynoting uh, and try to, to dazzle those people with some content marketing. They need and some then... dazzling, those guys. <laughs> they could use a little dazzling. We're going to dazzle them. We're yeah. going to crank it up a notch. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the end of that week, I'll be at uh, Confab uh, from, from Brain Traffic. Oh, Christina. So You'll have to tell going... Christina I said hello. I will tell Christina hi. I haven't been to Confab since the first Confab. Uh, so I'm looking forward to see how it's grown, and uh, she always has it around my birthday. So it's, there it's it is. super sweet of her. So. There it is. <laughs> to, to do it on your birthday. That's yeah, exactly. Nice. That's very exactly. nice. That's very nice. Well, I will be in, uh, in of course, in Toronto uh, with you with the uh, LinkedIn Masterclass, and then I'm actually off to Montreal uh, to do another client engagement with the good folks at Metro, a big grocery chain in Canada. So all you Canadians out there, if you like shopping at Metro, it'll be because of me. Nice. Um, yeah, there you go. Oh, hey, um, but before you before you get off, I have to make one disclaimer uh, because we got a an email from a really important listener in Sweden. Uh, I'm going to Sweden, and 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 Pia corrected me. I said I was going to Stockholm in a couple weeks. I'm oh, not. Oh no, I'm you're going, not. Oh, you're not going to. I'm, She's I'm, corrected me on that too. My friend. I'm going to. Uh, is it pronounced Gothenburg? Yeah, I believe so. I, I'm saying Gothenburg. Gothenburg. Yeah, Gothenburg. Yeah, yeah. Pia, I'm completely sorry. I I I, I made a mistake. Uh, I'm I'm down on all fours. <laughs> I'm, I really apologize, but I'm looking forward to Gothenburg and. and Checking out your wonderful. Did city, you just say so. you're down on all fours? Uh, no. Okay. I'm, no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get rid of that <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> I'm. I'm so tired, my friend. We should just end it now. That is it. Else is For said. Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose <laughs> signing off. And remember, if you'd like your question answered on the show, tag us on Twitter at hashtag This Old Marketing, or send an email. To this old marketing at contentinstitute.com. This was episode number 24. Also, if you like this episode, we hope you will consider subscribing at iTunes, Stitcher.com, all that wonderful stuff. And the links, the show notes, all of our folks down on all fours, all that stuff available at thisoldmarketing.com. Remember, everybody, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. 